all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. We're going to be taking your calls during the hour concerning any type of health care issues that you might be experiencing or topics that you need answered. Maybe it's not just for you. It may be somebody in your family, new medications, new symptoms. Maybe it's a new diagnosis that you don't quite understand or you want to discuss some other options about some things that are bothering you. You can reach us right now by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or if you're not able to call, you can always send us an email. That email address is remedy at mpbonline.org. You can also go to mpbonline.org and look at our um, uh, archived programs there. Uh, It's a great way to catch up maybe on some programs that you did not um, catch the in their entirety. That's again at mpbonline.org to search for Southern Remedy, or you can subscribe to our podcast. That's another great way to listen to Southern Remedy when you have the time to do it. But the best thing about our program is that you can call in with your medical questions. So I'd encourage you to do that right now. I'm giving you permission to be the very first caller. That's right. You can call right now, and we will answer, uh, try to answer your question to the best of our ability. Hope everybody's having a great Wednesday morning, a little bit chilly out there. This is the tease time is what I like to call it, weather-wise, is when we get a little bit of teasing about uh, spring. Man, gorgeous last couple of days, a little bit of rain peppered in there, but just some great weather. And I'm uh, going to uh, dip back down into sort of a Mississippi cold, at least, and uh, not too frigid, and certainly things are starting to bud out and green up. I've Getting the itch to plant things, too, so I always plant a little bit too early on some things, but I've got some new roses set out and a couple other things that uh, when the weather gets a little bit drier, I'm going to enjoy doing that. I hope you're able to do that, too. It's a great way to get outside and get some exercise. Um, You know, you don't have to necessarily join a gym. I would encourage my patients, as I always do, to choose some things that they enjoy doing uh, and that can have lots of good benefits. So just uh, something to think about um, as you uh, as you as you go throughout your day. You know, people ask me that all the time, particularly if they're at the point where they might be considering retirement. Uh, I always ask them. It's a little bit surprising to some people. I say, well, what's your plan? And they say, well, I don't really have a plan. And I remind them, uh, you need a plan. Uh, you need a plan for what you're going to do with your time, uh, with from a physical activity and a nutrition standpoint, I've seen way too many patients that they get to that point when it, within a year without a plan, 
they really do have some hard uh, some hard health uh, problems that they have to deal with. Uh, a lot of them will have worsening of their chronic disease uh, diseases that they might have or disorders that they might have, like hypertension and diabetes. And some of them might develop that if they didn't have them before. So, just something to keep in mind as you um, as you reach that age. Maybe that's a, a long time from now. You can begin to make good, healthy choices right now. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions that we get through the email, and uh, I got this question actually not through email, but all, but through one of my patients that I saw this week. Um, she said that she had been uh, diagnosed by our OBGYN with PCOS. Uh, that's not a peacock. That's PCOS, so that's polycystic ovarian syndrome. May sound sort of foreboding, but actually is uh, fairly common. We do see it in a lot of women. Um, basically, it is a constellation of symptoms um, that uh, are usually androgen <clears throat> excess. Androgens are male hormones. Uh, females have them too. It's just in lesser amounts. But in some situations, you can have an excess of those. And they can cause things like male-type hair growth, uh, particularly on the face, like facial hair and on your arms, uh, or even upper chest, uh, male pattern baldness, uh, and acne formation. So those kinds of things can be one of the things that go along with PCOS. Uh, another uh, clinical manifestation of it is menstrual dysfunction. So your periods that you would normally have are either um, are either um, um, irregular or you might have less often or even totally quit. Um, Weight gain is also uh, something that you see with that. And then there's one that has to do with the testing of it, and that's polycystic ovaries. So you get these cysts uh, on your ovaries. Now, some cysts, functional cysts, actually, that's part of the way that the ovaries work during your childbearing years. But you can have multiple cysts on there, and that uh, really the, the only way you can see that is on the ultras, uh, by ultrasound with imaging. There are some risks that go along with PCOS if it's not addressed. About forty to uh, about uh, about fifty to fifty to, to two thirds of patients will have um, you know overweight or obesity. A lot of people will develop type two diabetes. Uh, a lot of them will also develop fatty infiltrate of the, of the liver, so non-alcoholic steatohepatitis is another thing that they might have, uh, and then sleep apnea is another one. A lot of people will also complain of mood changes during uh, when they're first diagnosed with it. There is uh, some things that you can do. Um, there are some medications that have been looked at, metformin, which is a medication that is given for type 2 diabetes, uh, is one that is frequently um, is frequently uh, prescribed for that. Uh, but if you have some of those symptoms, uh, check with your OBGYN or your uh, your primary doctor and just uh, see if they might want to do some testing. There is some lab tests that look for those excess androgens and a couple of other things too, and some of the risk factors also like diabetes that they'll want to do, and maybe schedule you for a uh, an ultrasound to look at your ovaries. But PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, something to think about if you have those symptoms. This is Southern Remedy. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to go to Bradley from Oxford. Good morning, Bradley. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I am 35 years old, and I do a lot of sitting for work. And every now and then happens 
usually a couple of times a day, I get a real sharp pain in my lower back on the right side. And it, it, you know, it makes me, uh, straighten up and I have to kind of press on it with my hand and it is really painful and it only lasts about 10, 15 seconds. Curious if you had any, uh, any idea what that might be or what I can yeah. do to help alleviate yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a couple of questions for you on that that are related to the pain. Is it is it located below your waistline? Mm, it's pretty much in line with my waistline. Okay, okay, that helps. Maybe, maybe a little higher. Okay, good. Okay, so, you know, when people say back pain, that can mean different things, and, and that there's a lot of pains that are down into the pelvis that has to do with the nerves, particularly if you're sitting for long periods of time. We know sitting's not good for you. You know, for most people, it is uh, particularly if you're prolonged, if you, your job requires you to, to sit for prolonged periods of time like mine, um, that's not uh, the best posture getting up and moving around. is much better. So there are some things that where you're describing, particularly if it's a sharp pain, that's probably going to be one of a few things. Number one, it can be a muscular spasm that uh, feels like, you know, people will say, well, it either feels anything from a cramp up to somebody sort of stabbing them in that location. Um, if it only lasts for that short dur duration of time, uh, that can go away, and it's probably related to the the particular way that you're sitting and the, the uh, posture that you're sitting, those kinds of things can be alleviated by in a good exercise program that um, that works on your core. Or even, you know, a lot of people can transition in their work to um, – to standing, so they'll have like a standing desk that they are able to, uh, or maybe even a different type of chair that they're sitting in, or maybe a little bit different different thing. The other thing that it might be, um, if it's not particularly in the midline of the back, it's a little less likely with this, but you can have misalignment of some of the vertebral bodies, uh, the bones in your spine, and depending on what your posture is, over time they can sort of slide over one another, and that can cause some of those pains too. But that's probably more of a chronic thing. Um, and, um, you know, it sounds like to me this is probably going to be more of a muscular problem. And after work, too, you might try just loosening that area up. A lot of people do, you know, like a, you don't, don't have to do like a massage or something like that, although that would help. But you can do a soak, uh, like if you, you know, at the in the shower, in the bath, and doing some stretching exercises. If it persists, your physician might can get you to, you know, in to see a, a, a physical therapist and probably one session of one or two sessions of really showing you some things to do for your back to increase your mobility, to increase your core strength, to stabilize the spine, uh, and to make sure those certain muscles aren't getting overworked. That, that kind of thing can be helpful. But to me, it sounds like this is probably due to a muscular spasm of one of the muscles in the back. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy.
On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy with you this morning answering your questions about all kinds of, of different medical issues. You can uh, call about anything this morning. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to go to Robbie from Peru. Good morning, Robbie. How are you, doctor? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Thanks for calling. And- in 2018, I had my right knee replaced, and I thought it went good because I was up an hour after the surge recovery walking, and they said that that's really good. So anyway, I kept having problems with my knee. Even I did a year of therapy. Well, lo and behold, a year later, I had to have a lateral lift because my kneecap had migrated to the outside of my knee 90 degrees. The surgeon told me that prior to any medical or dental procedure, I had to take 2,000 milligrams of amoxicillin. In early 2021, I had a hernia developed that I had repaired here, and I forgot to take the amoxicillin, and I told the surgeon before surgery that I had forgot to take it. And he said, don't worry, we're going to flood you with enough antibiotic that you won't have any problem. Because the original surgeon told me that if I got a bacterial infection, that it would migrate to the implant and wrap itself around and colonize. My question is, how would I know if I had that type of infection around the implant? Yeah, great question. So any kind of, you know, any kind of foreign uh, material in your body is more susceptible to getting an infection in, a bacterial infection. And there are some things that predispose you to that. Um, Cutting across mucosal surfaces, like in your gut, if you have any kind of procedure like that or any kind of abdominal procedure, those are things that um, pretty much standard of care um, it, you know, from a surgery standpoint, is that they give you antibiotics during the surgery to help prevent that. But the truth is, there's a lot of things that we do day in and day out that can have small amounts of bacteria in our bloodstream. For instance, brushing your teeth. There's some really good studies where just brushing your teeth, not vigorously, just a regular brushing. If you check your bloodstream after that, you could find some of the same bacteria that are in your mouth that are now in your bloodstream. And now your body's, you know, for for somebody's immune system that's working just fine, it can clear that without any problem. It's just when you have like a large volume of it or if it's directly implanted at that site where you have that foreign material. So what to look for, basically it's the same thing you'd look for with other infections, and that's increased heat at the spot that you have the implant, so around your knee, um, and then um, 
you know, it, uh, uh, swelling would also be one, and then decreased function and increased pain. So all of those things are some of the normal things to look out for. There's a couple of different ways to look and check for that, depending on where a foreign body is. Uh, you know, sometimes imaging studies, particularly if it's an implant that's implanted next to regular, you know, normal bone tissue, um, you can see it sort of dis dislodge itself uh, if there's some uh, infection there. But basically, those are the things to look for. So it's redness of the surrounding skin, um, uh, pain at the site, and swelling and increased warmth. I have two of the three. I do not have swelling, but from the initial surgery, I've not had good use of the knee and mm -hmm. stiff constantly, and it is painful. Yeah. And yeah, I and just that, attributed that to the original surgery. Yeah, and, and, and if, the, you, the if you already had... Right. If you got if you had that to begin with and that's been pretty constant, I don't think it necessarily means that you have an infection, but that can be subtle sometimes. Particularly particularly foreign bodies that are in joints and in bones. So um it, you know and and ultimately the the gold standard for that is to actually take a piece of bone from right around it which you don't want anybody you know if you can I I wouldn't recommend that unless there's no. you know there were persistent symptoms. But, you know, if you're not having a fever, if you're not having increased warmth at the site or redness that's out of the ordinary with your chronic pain and, and decreased mobility with it, I think it's probably not infected. Okay. I do have dark redness patches over the incision. Yeah, but that's I just normal. attribute that to having to recut the original incision to do the lateral lift. Right. Yeah, it's and that's pretty common. And a lot of people, the scar tissue is different in different people. So sometimes uh, over time, it can even get flushed at times. I don't know if you've noticed that with yours, but the scar tissue itself can uh, change from sort of whitish to reddish or even purple, or it can stay purple. Oh, yeah. and that's, that's, that's sort of normal. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. All right, Robbie. Thank you for uh, listening, and thank you for calling. Let's go to D in Greenwood. Good morning, D. Hello. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. Have, What's your question? I have um, an autoimmune uh, disorder called Sjogren's syndrome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And two of the markers for Sjogren are dry eye and dry mouth, mm -hmm. which I have. And I'm wondering if there is another marker besides those two. Yeah, Sjogren's can be one of those um, that it is an autoimmune disease, and particularly the dry eyes and dry mouth is because of the decreased uh, salivation and, and uh, decreased tears that you make. And it can be it's sort of subtle in a lot of people because as we get older, we don't make as much of either one of those. And some people, um, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have that. So usually it is the eye and uh, oral symptoms, um, and those are some of the questions that we look at. Now, as far as, like, um, there is a standardized way to, particularly with the eye, called a Shermer test that they can use to quantify how much tears that you're making. It does. Yeah, you know, I've had does, that. Yeah, so I figured you had that. I and did. then 
Sometimes uh, ultrasound or MRI is used too, particularly for the mouth, um, and they can do the same kind of thing they do for the eye, but sometimes they'll do some imaging. There is a specific lab test that uh, usually they'll, they probably have already done this, particularly if you've had the diagnosis. It's called an anti-row, that's anti-R-O slash S-S-A, and an anti-LA, L-A-S-S-B antibodies. And these are two specific antibodies that have been associated with an autoimmune process that is specific for Sjogren's. And then uh, sometimes they'll get something called an anti-nuclear antibody or an ANA uh, and a rheumatoid factor. It doesn't mean you necessarily have rheumatoid arthritis, but sometimes all three of those together uh, can uh, sort of clue you in on that. Now, it can, you know, there are some risk factors for other things um, that you might have had or have currently. So, usually patients are screened for certain viral illnesses, uh, vi viral infections like hepatitis C. Uh, there's a couple of others that they look at, too. But usually that's, that's the main things, the main symptoms, if you have Sjogren's. Now, Sjogren's can be associated with other autoimmune processes, too. Uh, so there are, you know, you may have some other things that are going on that can have the same symptoms, but you can have it just with Sjogren's where it's just your eyes and your and your mouth uh, and nothing else. But there are, you know, a lot of other autoimmune diseases, sarcoidosis, um, there's um, um, uh, systemic uh, vasculitis, there's lots of other things that you could have that, you know, pretty much you look for other things, but um, if it's just those symptoms that you're you're having, then it probably is just Sjogren's. Right. When I was first diagnosed, they thought it was sarcoid, sarcoidosis, uh -huh, uh -huh. yeah, or lupus, which I turned out to have neither of those, thank God. Yeah. But um, I was I, I threw up violently about two weeks ago, uh -huh. and and I heard my throat do something I never heard it do before. And um, since then, I've had what I told my primary provider was a lump in my throat. I'm not sure whether or not it's a lump, but I can feel something that wasn't there before. Do you have any idea what that's about? Yeah, since you're not making as much saliva with Sjogren's, um, if you have normal things that, you know, either in the swallowing process or if you have a vomiting episode, um, you can you can have that. It's called a globus sensation when you feel like you got a lump in there, <clears throat> or maybe as I <laughs> just did right then, um, or you have um, something that's uh, that feels like it's caught in there, like a, a piece of food. And uh, if it persists, I mean, it's pretty normal with, with throwing up. You don't even have to have Sjogren's to have that with vomiting. But um, but I would drink plenty of water, um, you know, if you haven't done that afterwards, and then make sure that you, uh, that you, you know, you're getting uh, the lubrication that you need for that to heal. Sometimes it takes a couple of days for that to heal. If it persists, you may need to see a gastroenterologist. A lot of times with Sjogren's, there'll be other issues like that with the esophagus, and they'll have to go down and look and make sure there's not a stricture or there's not uh, other problems with the uh, lubrication process there. Yeah, I've had, um, I throw up a lot, and, <laughs> and I am going to have a um, CT of my throat as well as a ECG, is that what they call it? Uh, e ECG. They, they scope it? 
Uh, oh, the EGD. Yeah, the EGD. Oh. Uh huh. Yeah, that's sort of what I was talking about. That the the gastroenterologist will stick a lighted tube down, and that way they can see the lining of it. Yeah. Right. I do have a gastroenterologist, and I also have a rheumatologist because I do have rheumatoid arthritis as well. But thank yep. you for answering my questions. I I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome, Dee. And it sounds like you got the right people taking care of you. So hope everything uh, clears up with your swallowing. This is Southern Remedy. The number to call is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to go to Lisa in Hernando. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Hey, Lisa. Thanks for calling. Hey, thank you. I have. Um, I'm experiencing something new, um, and it, it, it's even happening sometimes when I'm at rest like just sitting on the couch or even laying in bed. But I'm having a, hard to describe, it's not so much a pain as it is almost like a pulling in the middle of my chest. Um, kind of a pressure, but not really a pressure. Very hard to explain what it feels like. But it almost feels like someone pulling and pulling everything towards the middle. You know what I mean? Kind of a yeah. pulling sensation. Yeah. And uh, I only medicate. I'm 57. The only medication okay. I'm on is Trimphia uh, for my psoriatic arthritis and psoriasis. Uh, other than that, you know, my blood pressure is great and all that. So, it, are you having any problems uh, swallowing liquids or solids? No. Okay. Not at all. Yeah, and, and chest pain, you know, when I teach this to, res to medical students and residents, I tell them to think about all the things that are in the chest, and sometimes you can have overlap of symptoms. So, you know, when you talk about chest pain, a lot of people will say, well, is it my heart? Uh, well, it, it might be, you know, the heart's certainly there. There are other mm -hmm. muscles in between the ribs, intercostal muscles, and sometimes costochondritis or a, a inflammation of those uh, joints that your ribs attach to your sternum, that can cause chest pain. Your lungs are there too. There's the coverings of the mm -hmm. heart and the lungs that aren't part of them, and then your esophagus, mm -hmm. and then some deeper structures. But wow. so it's it's hard to tease that out. Now, when people talk about a pulling like that, usually, mm -hmm. at least in my experience, that's more from the esophagus than other things, um, particularly right. if it's not a, a sharp pain. Uh, no. So. Now you can but it, once have. It starts, you, once it I'm starts, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Once once it starts, it 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 kind of stays. Um, uh -huh. You know what I mean? Maybe an hour or two, sometimes longer, but it's not an all day thing. Gotcha. So, yeah. And yeah. and it doesn't seem to be brought on by activity or anything else like that. No, no. You know, I think particularly with having other autoimmune diseases, you might have your esophagus looked at, and it doesn't have to be necessarily the, the scope that we talked about earlier with a previous caller, mm -hmm. but um, there is a test called an esophagram where they actually give you some liquid to swallow that's radio-opaque so that they can see it as it goes down. And right. um, there are some things called esophageal spasm or abnormal ways that the muscle in your esophagus works. And sometimes that is uh, associated with other autoimmune processes. So it's a simple test okay. to get, um, yeah. and it might help with the, with the uh, you know, with the diagnosis there. So you may want to talk to your physician about that. And esophageal okay. symptoms can be, they can be different. I mean, they can be sort of vague. I don't think... 
that this sounds like a, a chest pain that's, um, you know, yeah, that from your heart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, although women do have other forms of, of chest pain related to the heart than men do, so mm-hmm. sometimes it's a little bit different. It's not the classic uh, pressure on the chest. So it wouldn't be a bad idea, particularly while you're having it, that you had an EKG mm-hmm. done. Um, you okay. might, They may even want to do a stress test, but... You know, I think that's probably pretty low risk for having that. I, I would probably yeah. do the esophagus, you know, test first just to sort of see. Okay. So, and just, so would I go, yeah, through my primary? Yeah, okay. yeah, and just, you know, okay. just mention that to them. Certainly they should know about, you know, your other autoimmune diseases. and um, yeah. But but sometimes it affects the esophagus too, so it, it probably needs to be checked out. Okay. Very good. Thank you so much. Enjoy your show. Thank you, Lisa, and you have a good day. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. We are a Yucca Drive-In Theater. We're the last operating drive-in in the state of Mississippi. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Freaked me out that you could come and drive your car and park and watch the movie outside. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart answering your calls and some good ones today. There are really lots of different things that are going on with people. And don't think you're the only person out there with that symptom or maybe this the question that you have. There's always somebody else out there that's going to benefit from that and talking about it. That's what makes our uh, Southern Remedy program and all our Southern Remedy programs really great is that you engage with us and sort of, uh, particularly on Wednesdays, help to define what kinds of things we're going to talk about. The number to call this morning, if you have a question about the health care needs of you or your family, you can reach us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Rhonda from Hattiesburg. Good morning, Rhonda. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling. Um, I have a, lo- a few questions, but my main question today is I just had a massage, in, which I used to do quite regularly, and now during COVID I've stopped and then I had another one today. And this is the second time this has happened, but... About 15 minutes into the massage, my jaw starts shaking uncontrollably. Like, it's so, it, I don't understand. I asked the massage therapist, like, shouldn't it be the other way around? <laughs> you know, like, re- releasing anxiety. And he didn't have an answer for that. But I, is there, is it, do you think it might be a release or it? it's really 
And also, I'm still wearing a mask, and so, you know, you have to breathe, basically breathe through your mouth when you're face down. So I'm just wondering what that could be. Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. Um, so is this, so the massage is mainly on your back, right? That's the area that's being massaged, not your face? Right, right. Okay, all right. Uh, so, yeah, a couple of things come to mind. So when you stimulate different muscle groups, you can get different reactions. Now, uh, massage is great um, for tissues and certainly can help release a lot of tension that you build up during the day, and uh, particularly if you're prone to muscle tension, and um, it can help uh, loosen up those muscles so that they can work better in the long term. But there are a couple of things. Um, the mask, I, you know, breathing with the mask on is not really a big deal, even with an right. N95 that fits pretty tight because uh, those molecules that you need are really small, so they can get through there without any kind of problems. Um, but um, sometimes the way you lay on the table or mat uh, could um, stimulate one of the nerves that controls those areas in your face. So that's one thing is direct compression of a nerve um, can certainly do that. The other thing is um, during certain times, uh, you know, some people are a little bit more susceptible to uh, changes in electrolytes, and you'll have uh, muscles that twitch like that. Generally, muscle twitching is because of fatigue or if it's an increased stimulation from something. Now, there is uh, – this is a little far-fetched, but uh, – Calcium levels can change a little bit uh, from time to time, and if your calcium gets a little bit too high, it doesn't have as much to do with how much calcium you're taking in. Certainly, I wouldn't stop it if you're taking a calcium supplement, particularly if you're, uh, you know, if you're like yourself, you're female and you're, uh, you're uh, trying to prevent osteoporosis. But um, that that may cause, uh, if it's particularly if it's in the higher range. So if it persists, uh, that's the only thing I can think of that might tie it together with the massage. It does. It's probably not dangerous, particularly if you're not having it somewhere else. So it's probably more annoying than anything. But I would bet that that muscle that is particular to that you're having the twitching is probably in a fatigue state when you go in, and that somehow that it's getting stimulated by some type of factor, either with if, if it's direct stimulation to that area, even though they're not doing massage on that area, or a change in the electrolytes in your bloodstream during that time that sort of set it off a little bit. And sometimes even postural changes will do that. You may not have anything that's on your face, but when you lean forward or if you lean backwards, it can stimulate that muscle because it's not, you know, gravity's not pulling it in the same direction. It's pulling a little bit differently, and that can cause a little bit of stimulation. You know, sometimes patients will say, you know, my eyes are fine until I lay down and they get to twitching, or if I lay a certain way on one side at night, they'll do that. But, uh, you know, without without knowing uh, you know anything further? Those are the things that I can think of that might be causing it to twitch like that. I don't think it's anything serious. I think if you have other muscles that do that, you might want to go get checked out. But um, I think that's that's pretty much you know pretty pretty common to have that. One thing you might want to try is you know if they do facial massage there too, light facial massage that may actually help it. Okay, I I mean I do I have. What feels like um, internal vibrations, like in my chest sometimes. I had a, um, a 
it ended up being, they called it transient global amnesia. It was like I lost about 30 minutes or an hour of memory in Mm -hmm. June. And um, they ruled out, they thought it was a TIA or a stroke, ruled all that out and just ended up with, you know, saying, hey, you know, this is, this happened once, we can't find anything, did all MRIs, everything you could think of. And so, but, but it kind of, I kind of started shaking a little bit then, that was in June, and then it went away, blah, blah, blah. Now, finally, like a couple weeks ago, they put me on Lexapro. I gave in and started taking Lexapro and mm-hmm. because they were saying it's anxiety, but I almost feel like it's not, you know. And then today with the jaw shaking, it just kind of, kind of freaked me out honestly i mean it was strong yeah 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 and lexapro i'm trying to think through you know if anytime somebody tells me about a medication that they started her on just thinking through that i don't think you know serotonin is the main uh the main uh neurotransmitter that that lexapro works on and and i can't think of a of an interaction that that might have with you know with muscular pain or muscular twitching rather yeah so it's um, not painful at all yeah it's yeah that's scary it's just annoying <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i think it's probably okay um okay. but generally across the board muscle twitching usually is there's fatigue of that individual muscle okay and um i you know i have this a lot i have to talk a lot during the day and sometimes <laughs> if i'm talking a lot i'm teaching a lot of people and have the radio program and then uh you know I, at the end of the day i can have all kinds of twitching on my face okay <laughs> so um i feel so makes me feel better <laughs> i'm yeah. glad to know and and a lot of people try different things they'll try sort of like a cold pack you know so one of those gel type things that you can put in the freezer and then put on your face and okay. uh or light massage there you can even do that yourself you don't even have to pay anybody to do that and that can help <laughs> but usually just rest can do that so can okay. can alleviate it but i I don't, I don't hear anything in your symptoms or your description that would be a warning flag for anything, but I think if it if it starts to affect other places, that's the that's the point where I would go back to your physician and say, hey, I'm starting to have more of this twitching. Can you investigate this? Okay, thank you very much, and I love your show. It's a really oh, helpful. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Rhonda. We appreciate you calling. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is 
is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning answering your calls about medical answers or medical questions that you might have. We're going to go to Roger in Florence. Good morning, Roger. Good morning. Thanks for your program. What a what a treat. Uh, I have two questions, but I'm not going to spend my time on the first one. I have a lot of twitching that I've had for a couple of decades in my lower calves on the surface. So I'll, I'll skip that and call later. The other one is TV ads for pain relief. There's a highly advertised, I mean expensive, long advertisement by a guy who says he's been making this stuff for 30 years. I think it's Omega XL or something like that. doesn't matter what the brand is. And uh, testimonials by attractive people who say it works and all that. And it's thirty nine ninety five. but wait now, you can get to it. You know, so they had knowledge. Right. Is that stuff, would you just comment as a physician whether or not people who have pain and they want relief and they tried everything and they, and is, what do you do about that? Of course, you can go to a doctor, but those ads are awfully expensive and intriguing, and it must mean that people pay for that stuff. I'm sure. Gonna, well, I'll just listen. Yeah, that, thanks, Roger. That's uh, you know, certainly there's a lot of direct to consumer advertising like that. So there's a lot of ads out there, and um, yeah, it's it really depends on what's in it, and that's hard to get at sometimes because there's really uh, catchy names sometimes that different advertisements uh, for pain relief give out, and uh, it may just list a plant or it may list a tree that it comes from. But, you know, you really need to know, like, how that thing acts, how that molecule acts uh, to decrease pain. And some of it works, some of it doesn't. Um, there are also topical things that you can use, and a lot of those are over-the-counter. I found those to be actually pretty good, particularly if it's in the in the arms or the legs uh, for pain, uh, for chronic pain. One of them just uh, became uh, available several years ago, Voltaren Gel, which works pretty good. But generally speaking, I haven't found a whole lot of, of usefulness in those direct-to-consumer advertising, and you can spend a lot of money on those, and uh, obviously somebody's buying it. But just because they say it works and they have all these testimonials um, doesn't mean that it's been studied in the way that actually it does work. So I tell people, like, look, if you'll give me the ingredients in that, I can have my pharmacist look at it and then say, you know, definitively, okay, this is a substance that has been studied. Or if it hadn't been studied, we really don't have any proof that it works or not. I mean, anybody can say, well, that worked for me, and that may be one person, but that's just one person, or it may be five people. And most of the other medica <clears throat> pain medications that we have have been studied pretty extensively. Some of the older ones haven't just because they've been around a long time, but, um, you know, they've been studied a lot to show their how well they work. And the other thing is you don't really know what you're getting because it hasn't been, you know, it may not be, um, haven't, hasn't been studied to, to see what uh, doses that you need for that. So generally speaking, I would say be careful. Um, it, once I get the medication and look at, you know, the, the uh, over-the-counter medication and say, okay, well, this is something that might work or it, it's not certainly not going to hurt you then by all means try it and see if it works for you. But um, it's hard to make a, 
a, a statement on those without having a lot of data to look at and say, okay, well, this is the mechanism that makes sense, or this is, you know, this is how it works. So that'd be my take on that'd be my take on that. I'm going to call Creature Comforts and ask the vet if there is a snake that gives off oil, and I'm going to get some. I'm going to start selling snake oil. That ought to work. Thanks a lot. You're welcome, Roger. That's a, that's a good question. Uh, let's go to to Burn in Ripley. Good morning, Burn. Hello. Hey, you're you're on with uh, with Doctor Jimmy. Hey, uh, yes, this is uh, Burn in Ripley. Uh-huh. I'm calling about. I have a pain in my back. And it comes up one leg and goes across my hip and goes down the other leg. And it stays sore. You know, just every time I move, you'll have a sharp pain that will shoot through there. And I saw my doctor, and he he gave me some prednisone, and he thought maybe it would subside. But it has not subsided. It's been going on for like five weeks. And he thought it might be uh, maybe arthritis. Or either a side nerve. Mm-hmm. Did he do, Burn? Did he do X-rays too on your back? No, he hasn't done an X-ray yet. Uh, I think scheduled to have an MRI, but I'm just wondering from both symptoms what you might think is going on. Yeah, it could be a number of things. I think the MRI is a good choice, and uh, it'll, it's going to show a number of things. It's going to show the disc in between your back, because some of this might be a compression of the nerves that are going from your back down your legs that are that are causing this, even if it feels like it's starting lower in your leg. If it's going up and down like that, then almost always that's that's a nerve problem. And uh, without having imaging like that with the MRI, you really don't know, uh, you know. But it, five weeks is a little long on that. The steroids can help with acute inflammation that's pressed on a nerve, but it's not going to do a whole lot, you know, long term. Uh, certainly, it, it can help in the diagnosis, but I think the MRI is probably going to give you the best evidence of what is actually happening with it. Um, but most of the time, if it's going down your back, I, I would say that's probably a, a related to a nerve that's originating somewhere in your spinal column. Okay. Well, we'll see what goes on then. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for calling. Let's go to Robert in Oxford. Robert, you are on the air. I think we've got about three more minutes. Great. Thank you, Dr. Jimmy. My question is, I've got two questions. My, one question is my wife has dry eyes, and it happens at night. Is there a, what, what would you recommend to to uh, solve that problem? Yeah, dry eyes at night is a little unusual. Now, you have to be careful. You know, some people like to have a fan, or it can be the temperature or lack of humidity in the room, and sometimes changing that can help. But some of the artificial tears that you find, if you can use those before going to bed, she may already be doing that. That might help a little bit. There's also a medication called Restasis that you can get from your eye doctor that can uh, help to increase the amount of tears that are being secreted so that it's not getting dried out. So that would be my two recommendations. But if it still persists after just the artificial tears, probably should see an ophthalmologist, an eye doctor, not an optometrist, but an ophthalmologist, because they may need to do some further testing to make sure they don't have some other problems going on. Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you. Next question is, I've been diagnosed with with, uh, calcium level too high. What can I do to bring it down? Yeah, it's not really a whole lot. If you are, if your calcium level is too high and the doctors have told you to 
cut back on the amount of calcium that you're taking if you're, you know, if you're taking like a supplement. That's fine to do that. Most of the time that's related to either your kidneys or the parathyroid glands, which sit on, on in your neck, there's four of them uh, on either side of your larynx in the in the front part of your neck, and they help to regulate calcium in your body. Main store of calcium in the body is the bones, and then as needed, it's you know calcium is really important for muscle function and nerve function, and those parathyroid hormones help to regulate that, and the kidney has a part in that too. So. Those are the things that probably, if they've told you that, they're looking at those things too. A mildly elevated calcium level, you really don't have to do much with that. Uh, you can watch that for years and uh, just monitor it. Uh, sometimes if it's really high, they'll recommend doing things like taking out the parathyroid hormone, uh, uh, glands or uh, one or more of those glands. Uh, they usually try to leave one of them because you, it's really hard once you take all of them out to regulate the calcium level. But that's the kind of thing to do. Other than that, there's not a whole lot that you can do to sort of regulate that. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app.